Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey guys, welcome back, and I have to say I'm very glad to welcome back my beautiful wife of three decades and co-host Julie Harris. She's finally back with us after much personal drama over the past few days. So Julie, welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to be back. I'd rather be doing this than any of what I was doing instead of this. It's all good. So so just this is Julie's personal drama for the last three days. Today, she wakes up and Zoe... (laughs) Has a 102-degree temperature, off to the doctor, finds out she has strep throat. Yesterday, yeah, Julie <laughs> had to go to the dentist because the day before, this all happened like right before the podcast and all three days. Yeah. So the day, the day before, uh, Julie has um, a filling fallout. <laughs> Yesterday, she goes yes. to the doctor. And it, so, I mean, she's <laughs> so listen, thing guys, after if another around here at Camp Harris. That's right. So if there's ever an example of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level, despite all of that, she still is on her coaching calls and obviously doing premier coaching and the rest of it. So, yeah, guys, whatever drama you're experiencing, it's completely normal, and uh, we're right there with you. So, listen, we're going to finish uh, where we have picked up the last couple of days, and this has been a fun topic for Julie and I. And um, it's don't decrease the goal, increase the effort, and that really is the theme. I just had a good call with our um, – Harris Certified Coaches, and we are talking about, in essence, what they're experiencing with their clients and from their presentations and just their own real estate practices, what they're actually seeing is happening in their own marketplaces, not just with the market itself, not just the analytical housing data, but with really the mindset and the psychology of the agents. And I'll summarize what they said they're experiencing, and you guys can sort of maybe feel a little bit more, I think, at home knowing that you're not alone. A lot of people are obviously naturally optimistic. It's the beginning of the year. Agents are, you know, we're kind of a rare breed that no matter how much the sky is falling, we have a tendency to always look for the brighter side. It's kind of the entrepreneurial, angstful uh, spirit that you must have if you ever hope to be successful. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been crazy enough to try to do your own thing in the first place, let alone real estate people who are 100% commissioned. So you've got to be a little bit of a natural, optimistic uh, person, optimistically you know, em, uh, emblazoned, emboldened person to take the leap into being an entrepreneur, let alone being a real estate agent in the fir- first place. So that's omnipresent in the industry, but the other thing that's overlaying the industry right now is a lot of fear. And it makes sense. And so when you're rooting out what the fear is in yourself, if you sense that in yourself, you're optimistic, but you still feel a little bit fearful. I want you to identify why you feel fearful. What it is, what is it that's specifically making you feel that fear? Because chances are it's identifiable. Chances are if you're really honest with yourself, you're going to drill down and you're going to sort of be introspective and self-discover that's what's causing you to feel fearful is something that you can do something about. It might be something as easy as the fact that maybe you're starting the year feeling disorganized. 
and that's causing you to feel like you're out of control and that's giving you a sort of a, an emotional reaction of fear, well, that's easy to do. You can go and clean out your office. You can get rid of the old files. You can you know, follow the real estate treasure map, guys. We take you through essentially all the steps of getting your life organized in that free book. And to get that book, all you have to do is go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. But really, the point is, is whatever the fear is, if you have that feeling of fear, motivation, excitement, optimism, that's all good. But if you're sensing something that's wrong in your own personal force, I want you to actually take the time and try to self-identify what it is. And here's what the other thing is. You guys are seeing a lot of markets. You're seeing prices fall. You're seeing houses sit on the market longer. If you have listings, you're seeing sellers who are getting antsy because their price houses aren't getting offers. You're, you're going on listing appointments or you're talking to people whose houses are worth about what they paid for them. You're starting to see really clearly what Julie and I call the phase two markets really take hold. And in a phase two market, that's where you have to get your skills on. And if you don't, you won't make it to phase three. That's a simple fact. So your instinctual desire to survive is probably causing you to feel that fear that you're feeling. And it makes sense because intuitively your instinctual desire to survive is telling you that you're ill-prepared for the market that's coming ahead of you. And you need to listen to it. What most people do, not just in real estate, but in life in general, is they walk around with that feeling of fear, and they don't do anything about it. They're not proactive about it until something forces them to take action on it. And in real estate and in business, if you act like that, you won't survive because it'll be too late. You won't have the time to rebuild momentum. You know, I give this example on the podcast because it makes the example really easily. had a coaching client. His name was Monet. Monet, this was before I started coaching him, evidently was really overweight. He goes to the doctor. He'd been to the doctor a thousand times in his life. The doctor always told him to lose weight. Monet continued to gain weight. He got to the point where he was so big and his diabetes, of course, he had diabetes, had gotten to the point where the doctor was saying, you don't have proper circulation to your feet and to your legs, and we're going to need to start talking about what you're going to have removed. Now, remember, this is somebody who had been to the doctor countless times, who had heard the doctor say every single time, you've got health problems that are going to worsen because you are really overweight. He did not listen. He did not do anything until the pain of not doing something, literally in this case, having an appendage removed, was greater than the perceived pain, or in his case, probably real pain, of having to lose the weight. You know, having to change his diet, having to start to exercise, when you haven't done that, sucks. And so he made the decision to lose the weight so he didn't have to lose appendages, and here's what happened. He got in such good shape, he was on the cover. It wasn't men's fitness, but he was on the cover of some men's fitness type magazine. That's what he did, and he did it like, I don't remember the time. I seem to remember a year, but it probably was longer than that. That is an example of you know, somebody who, doesn't, who didn't take action until the, the fear of taking action was overwhelming. But he was able to do something with it because he, he could turn it around relatively quick. But in real estate, what happens is, and this happens in brokerages especially, is you guys will say, well, this was just a bad month. And month next month will be better. Well, that was a bad month too. 
And then all the while, what you're, the agents are starting to get antsy. The agents are starting to blame you. The agents are starting to demand for, more from you. Maybe it's commission splits, or maybe they're wanting more leads, or all these different things start to happen. And then your own personal economy, what you're able to pay yourself, starts to erode. You rationalize not taking a paycheck that month because of the fact you're going to put more money into lead generation so your buyer, your agents can sell some houses. You guys see how this continues to spiral. And then the next thing you know, you're having serious personal and business uh, financial issues. And for many of you, all of this would basically come to a screeching halt inside six months, if not half that time, if you saw a cycle that's starting to occur, which is starting to occur in our industry, of a slowing housing market. Are you listening? So what I'm telling you is if you're seeing your own um, net income, brokers, team leaders, agents in particular, starting to fall, the first action you need to take is realizing the topic of today's show, which is don't decrease the goals that you set for yourself, but you have to increase the effort. And that's what we're focusing on. So you're going to have to accept the fact that basically from here forward, Just start with the assumption that everything you were doing in the past to generate business isn't going to work or isn't going to work as well. So you're going to have to do a complete about face and realize that the skills that you have in place probably won't work in this new market. You're not going to have buyer conversations where you're going to be able to use fear of losing the house as the motivating factor to get them to write the contract because they're going to see that there's lots of properties for sale and they're going to be fearful of overpaying or buying too soon. Many of you have no clue what to do in situations like that. But on the seller side of things, it gets a lot more complicated. What about all the sellers that are underwater and near underwater? What are you going to do about those? So, guys, this is the reason that we are we are leaving what we were calling more of a, a social market or a relationship market, and we're entering into what Julie and I refer to as a skills-based market. So the old market, you could do business based on who you knew. A seller's market is like that. It's easy. Everybody can do a transaction for the most part. In a seller's market or a buyer's market, I'm sorry, in a buyer's market where you have to start having skills, that's where it completely changes. That's where you have to know what to say and know how to say it. And all the agents that have been coasting, buying buyer leads from Zillow and doing all these other sort of passive activities on social networking and all that, you're going to see those agents who maybe did a few transactions last year are going to do no transactions this year because they did not adapt. They did not change. They did not do what they didn't want to do and they didn't want to do at the highest level. For all of you listening live and in replay to our podcast today, I beg you not to make that mistake. So, Julie, you don't know where we left off, so I have to tell you where we left off on our notes. Well, I look. Yes. Do you have anything you'd like to relate I do, to our actually. audience? Well, so a case in point from a coaching call yesterday. One of my elite clients, great broker in Canada. Okay, Typically, his stuff sells very quickly, average sale price at least 700000 You know, it sells good quality, nice stuff. Well, he has this newer listing in the mid-fives, by all accounts, comps say he's priced right. He's had 35 showings in the past roughly 60 days, which includes Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Okay, So by all accounts, really rocking showing activity, right? So how is it that a house like that with 35 showings does not have multiple offers? What's an agent to do? Well, how many of you would have the confidence to do a reverse offer to his second showings? He's going to go to them. That's the next step because clearly we're very close on this or he wouldn't be getting you know, pounded with showings. 
and yet it's not sold. So evidence of a changing market, yes, but kudos to him for taking action and doing something about it and not just saying, well, you know what, we're just going to take a break till summer, see what happens when the snow melts, right? He's being proactive about it. So that's what a skilled agent, and in this case, broker, does about that situation. Tell them what a reverse offer is, Jules. Tell them what a reverse offer is. So, yeah, so a reverse offer, and, and this is one of those things that we haven't seen around for a while because you guys didn't need it, but we are definitely seeing it. I know you've had conversations about this. So my question to him was, how many second showings or third showings have you had? He's had two different instances with agents who have brought their clients back a second time, and yet they didn't write on it. So he's going to write an offer from the seller to the potential buyer and present it that way. So what do you, you know, the suggestion is to not just come at them with full list, come back with a little bit less to show that you're willing to play the game. Maybe give them a home warranty and a flexible closing date. Maybe even offer a lease back to them. Show that you're willing to play the game. Maybe these buyers are reticent to write an offer because they've been shot down too many times in a previous market. And maybe their agent isn't strong enough to ask them to take a shot at it. So we're going to lead by example and present the offer in reverse. And this is a concept that many of you – this is a concept that probably none of you have ever heard of before. I don't know if Julie and I came up with this idea. I've never heard of anyone else say it, but it is what we call a reverse offer. And, again, it works in a market like this where if you get a second – so here's the problem. Here's what a reverse offer fixes. A lot of agents will not ever in a billion, billion years feel comfortable asking anything that resembles a closing question to their client. Okay? Fact. True. So they, they oh, can have a buyer. Hold that thought for a second, because I did also recommend that he follows up that offer with a bomb bomb video explaining what a reverse offer is, which is what you're doing. Right. Back to you. Yes. So so the point is is that that buyer's agent probably, God bless them, as we always say in Texas, God bless them, that that buyer's agent probably does not have the skills to convince that buyer who's waiting for that buyer's agent to do their job and give them permission to buy the house. Literally, that buyer's agent is that buyer is waiting for the buyer's agent to do anything that resembles closing to help them emotionally make a decision. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to the house multiple times. And so what that buyer's agent is going to do is that buyer's agent is going to then when receiving an offer to purchase – I'm, I'm sorry, an offer to sell. So a seller, the seller is sending over an offer to sell to the buyer, and that's going to help the buyer's agent get a conversation started with their buyer. Julie, I did not tell you this. Um, one of my highest-end clients, I had him mm-hmm. do a reverse offer on one of um, his listings for $40 million, and it worked. 40? Actually, I gave, the wrong, oh, I gave the wrong information. He did a reverse offer on a property that um, it was his listing, and he had received uh, three second showings, and all the people verbally said that the buyers were interested in the $8 million in, in, in like the low eights. None of them put it into writing. The, sell, the house was listed for $10 million. The seller said he would entertain something in the low eights. So, and none of these buyers' agents, because these buyers' agents were all socially connected. They were friends with the buyers. They're this, the other thing. So they didn't know what to do. They weren't comfortable. They weren't, you know, professional, basically. So I had him write reverse offers to all three of them and created a reverse auction. And as a result of that, he got it in contract for 8.25. Better. How about that? Nice. Yeah, from a that's reverse awesome. offer on something that's in that price range. So you guys can do this. These are the types of things we teach you in Premier Coaching. This is the reason well, you need to coach in this market. But listen, yeah. here's the thing. 
it's a great example of that house probably would not, almost definitely would not have sold had it not been for your agent's expertise. So when you guys are wondering, you know, why you make your commission, it becomes very clear in a changing market, very clear. Most agents just would have let that expire. Definitely. Well, I mean, most agents, you mean on the listing side. And, yes, most agents would have let it expire. Absolutely. All right. So, Julie, we're on point number six. Yes. Where are we? Point number six. All right. Very good. So we're talking about do not uh, decrease the goal. You are instead going to increase the effort. So point number six, how do you do that? Be relentless this year about getting to and maintaining your magic number. It is the most important number that you know. This is the number of listings that you must have at all times to meet or exceed your monthly income requirements. How do you figure that out? Well, it's right there in the treasure map. We give you the math to do that. So increase your effort, don't decrease the goal. For many of you, and I had a lot of these conversations yesterday too, many of you will require more listings in order for you to meet or exceed the same goal that you had. And if your goals are even higher, you for sure will need more listings because it simply is going to take a little bit longer and maybe another price reduction. You know, for some of you guys, that's like 60 days instead of six minutes. It's okay, but increase your effort. Don't decrease the goal. Remember, it's hardest to get there in the first place to get to that higher listing inventory, but it's much easier to maintain. This is one of those very counterintuitive things in real estate because some of you guys, because you've had maybe a tough time maintaining, you know, maybe you've had 10 and three of them were a little bit difficult. So your thought is why in the world would I want 15 of them? right? It's because your magic number says you have to, to meet or exceed your actual financial goals. So I, I wrote down a quote from Dale Carnegie, who said, inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. That's what Dale Carnegie said. Back to you. Well, so, uh, Julie, real estate magic number, you mind explaining to them uh, briefly what that is? You said number of listings they need at all times. How can they figure out what their real estate magic number is? Well, we give you the math again in the treasure map. Um, but basically, some, most of you guys, unless you're really fresh, can tell based on last year, and you're all crunching your numbers for getting your taxes going and knowing your year-end numbers and all that stuff. So let's say that typically – you were running about three to five listings. And when you had those three to five listings, you would always create two closings a month for yourself. So if you wanted two, you had to have five. Maybe one was a buyer and one was your listing, maybe some months two listings sold. So when the market shifts on you, you don't want to still be at that five and count on getting two because it's going to take longer. You could be sitting there with five actives and have no closings. So double it to 10 to increase the effort and not decrease the goal, knowing that your market is changing. Typically, you can count on 10 listings will throw off between two and four closings per month, depending on how fast and your price range and your market and that sort of thing. Um, but you're going to figure out your own numbers based on average days on the market and what your own tendencies are. So, for example, a newer agent that doesn't price things very well will always need more listings because they're going to have to struggle through more price reductions. They're going to have stuff expire on them. They're learning. They're earning, hopefully, while they learn. But somebody with less skill is probably going to have to have more and go through more listings to get that experience. Our grizzled veterans, you know, who are out there already pricing things, hopefully correctly, in the first place to avoid price reductions, those guys have probably a little bit smaller number, so they can count on that for every 10 You'll get two to four closings. 
carry 20, you're going to get four to eight closings. Uh, obviously, there's some exceptions here and there, but that's a general you're, rule. You're, you're, Do the treasure map and you'll something. figure it out. First. You're, yeah. you're touching on something really important, guys, and listen to what she said. The more skilled and trained you are, the better you're going to be at pre-qualifying your sellers, the better you're going to be at pricing the sellers, the better, be, better you're going to be at positioning the houses in the market so they sell. Uh, there's a, here's, here's our rule. When you list a house, assuming that, that you know what that seller's motivation was and all the rest of it, and assuming it's a must-sell seller, which in this market there's lots of them, you have zero excuse not to sell the house. Literally, for you not to sell the house is an abysmal failure, and you should not be in real estate. Because in this market, if you're using a practiced, you know, essentially an approach, a professional approach, you're going to be able to motivate sellers to see the logic in pricing their houses correctly and positioning them in the market in such a way that they sell. Because, guys, guess what? Sellers are not stupid. They know that the prices are adjusting down. They know that the market is leveling off, if not falling in some markets. And they know that if they wait too long, they're going to end up selling in a market where the price is going to be less than what it will be today. What they're waiting for is for you to tell them that and you to take action. If you're not, if you're walking into a situation with a seller and the seller's been like, you know, like I said, the news is out. They know that the market's changed. If you're not telling them the market's changed, if you're not giving them a plan on how to basically to make it so you're not chasing the market down, you're not going to get the listing, and you don't deserve the listing if you're not willing to tell things to people that make maybe you uncomfortable, make them uncomfortable. And again, I said this the other day, and I think it's so incredibly important that you guys listen to this. Unless you're hear, putting yourself in a position to hear no at least five times a day, not from your children, not from your wife, if you're not hearing, putting yourself in a position to hear no at least five times a day, you're not doing your job. That is a great way of knowing whether or not you're actually putting yourself in a position or unless you're, to know for sure whether you're doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Some of you I know who have been listening to us for a long time know that's our, uh, one of our business mantras, and you uh, think you practice it, but then I ask you, when is the last time someone said no to you? You said no one ever says no to me. Then I tried to say, explain to you that it's because you're not asking enough questions that would you know, be essentially a question that could result in them saying no to you. You're, in other words, you're avoiding rejection. Why are you avoiding rejection? Because you don't know how to deal with it emotionally. That's true. But you're avoiding uh, asking questions that could result in no. But what are those questions? They're the very questions that result in a paycheck. Sign the contract, please. You know, for example, some of you live in fear. Of, this goes back to the reason why you have to know how to do reverse offers when you're a listing agent. Julie, point number seven. Yes, we have a real quick uh, story about that. You remember when we were all full of ourselves after taking like four out of four listings in less yeah. than a week, and we came into the office and we were year, all though. like, oh, we rock, we're the best, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and our broker looked at it and he said exactly what you were just explaining. He said, well, obviously you're not going on enough appointments. And we're like, what? And he said, yeah, you're not hearing no enough. Get back to work. And then he stormed off. <laughs> so it's not just because we're saying so. We had to live this too. And we talk about this more in the Harris Rules book, actually, in the updated version, but I digress. We'll hear more about that later. So point number seven, be relentless about being of service to others this year. Your success is the direct result of your ability to help enough people at the highest level to reach their goals. If you haven't yet reached that level of success, you haven't figured out how to help enough folks at a high enough level. So increase the effort. Being of service to your sellers is things like the reverse offer. 
It's things like knowing what's actually happening in your marketplace and what price ranges and neighborhoods are actually hot and which ones are not. Be relentless about being of service to others this year. Many of you have fostered that mindset, but this year, more than others, you seriously have to live it. And you will see the results of that mindset. You just have to be more relentless. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Nope. I think it's good. Good point. Next point. Yeah. So point number eight. This is really important, too. Be relentless about tracking your money, your investments, your bills. Use Mint.com to create your financial dashboard. It's super easy to do. I set up ours with even the rental property business, everything I set up in one afternoon, and I hate data entry. So Mint.com is your friend. I'm pretty sure it's free, too. And that will give you your financial dashboard at a glance on one page. Some of you had your clocks cleaned last go-around because you didn't have your eye on your financial dashboard. Things snuck up on you. And when things are fast and furious and everybody's making tons of money easily, it covers up a lot of mistakes. So get your financial house in order before somebody else has to do it for you, like having your own short sales and foreclosures. Nobody wants that again, so get in front of it. Be relentless about it. More effort, not less goal. Point number nine, track your year now. So we do this often fourth quarter, but I want to do it now. Put dollar signs on days that are work days and X's on your days off. You don't actually have 12 months to reach your goals. You have a series of productive days to get the job done. So get out your calendar, whether that's you know, your Google calendar or you're using a hard copy planner. Look at where the holidays fall. Look at where you want your vacations to be. Look at when your kids are off from school. Put X's on those days. That's okay, but you've got to plan it out. And then put dollar signs to remind yourself that this has to be a dollar productive day. Living in the gray area where you're at work but thinking about vacation, or worse, being on vacation but checking your cell phone incessantly, that's what creates stress in real estate. It's one or the other. It's a vacation day or it's a work day. That's why they call it work or vacation. There's no work workation. <laughs> anyway, back to you. I have to get ready for Premier. Okay, so listen, we have one more point, and then we are actually done. Um, Let's see, nutrition and fitness, but you know we talk about this consistently. I talked about this the other day when we started this series. Uh, by the way, the notes from today's show, from the th uh, past four shows, are going to go on the website, timandjulieharris.com. If you guys want to listen to past podcasts, the quickest and easiest way to do it is just go to timandjulieharris.com. Obviously, we're on iTunes. Obviously, we're on Stitcher or all your favorite blog talk or all your favorite podcast listening devices. We're everywhere, but uh, the quickest way to get access to all of our past uh, shows and the notes for the shows, office managers, team leaders, those of you guys who are trying to get into the media syndication business yourself through your own podcast or whatnot, feel free to uh, go there and reference our material. Obviously, we appreciate the fact if you source us as your source for that content if you reuse it, but just go to timandjulieharris.com and just click on podcasts. It's all there. So the last point is something that you guys hear us talk about a lot. Um, it's really your nutrition and it's your, uh, you know, essentially orange theory. We are huge advocates, even though I promise you nobody hates it more than Julie and I, we're huge advocates of, of orange theory. It is a very affordable, easy way for you to have a personal coach for you to be in a group environment. I know a lot of you guys try to, uh, you know, let's be honest, fool yourselves into thinking that you're going to get the same result if you work out by yourself. And the simple fact is, is every single research piece that's ever been done has proven the fact that when people are in group environments, they have a tendency to essentially achieve at higher levels 
when you're in a situation in Orange Theory where there's a coach who's telling you guys at the group what to do, and I'm telling you guys it's almost some sort of you, you transcend your normal levels of physical apathy so much quicker that you will be impressed. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's never easy. I have people ask me, does Orange Theory ever get easy? It does not get easy. It's always hard, but it's totally and completely worth doing. Um, so that's my suggestion for all of you. And also, do – and I talked about this the other day, so I won't belabor this point – but do seriously consider um, living a low-carb lifestyle. Those two things in combination will make a massive, change, a massive difference in not only how you look, which is a big deal, but also how you feel. And more importantly, and this is the interesting thing, how you feel about yourself. So your mindset, your personal psychology from having seen you transform yourself physically will absolutely translate to other aspects of your life, your personal life, your spiritual life. You're going to now, it doesn't matter what age you are, when you see yourself, even if it's slowly getting into good shape, seeing yourself change your body, psychologically, you're going to tell yourself, if I can do that, something that I've been avoiding doing forever, that tells me that maybe Harris is right, that I could go back and explore or rediscover all the dreams and goals I originally set for myself, and I go back to actually think big. So many of us get on with life. You know, we start when we're kids, and then we get older and older and older, and we start set. We not, we don't even reset goals. We just forget about the goals we originally set for ourselves. Why don't you go back and reconnect with those goals in 2019? I'll say it one last time because it's really again something that we're our, as a company we're adopting this year. All of our coaching clients are as well. Don't decrease the goal. Increase the effort. Okay, there it is. If you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Your homework, as always, is to go to FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. You guys have a fantastic day. I'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.